Abba Yahweh, again you bless me with the opportunity to deliver the gospel of you, Jesus Christ, your teachings, your knowledge, your wisdom, and your love for us, Father God. Thank you for this opportunity to share with anyone that has an ear to hear Shake the scales of mammon from your eyes so that you can look around and see those things that God hath made and what God hath done. Abba Yahweh Abba, Yeshua Abba, Parakletos Abba. Spirit is ooh, stirring up stuff. I, I see things that are so dismal, dark, and dank. <clears throat> When I get around it, it, it actually has a stench. And the stench is a brimstone and, and burning embers and cinder. It stinks of the devil. And I see fear-driven response to things rather than, than looking for truth and answering and seeking truth. I, I see people are driven by fear and I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters, when you're driven by fear, you will react and do things that are way beyond norm. And uh, I just see so much of that being done. And I see so many, it's a deeper and darker agenda than anyone looks around. You can say, oh yeah, they're doing this and they're doing that because they want to take over. They want to do this and that. And, uh, well, there's a much, much deeper agenda that people don't know of or they are blinded to or they choose not to believe or they just don't understand. And so those individuals are the ones that are in the forefront of the stampede that's being driven. When you, If you've ever been to Yellowstone or in the wild opens and you see a large herd of elk or a large herd of bison, buffalo, two different animals, by the way. Um, and you see them and they're gathered in a herd. And then there's a lightning strike or a very loud, a very loud booming noise. Could be a sound, but it could be anything. And the alpha group, the lead group, they get frightened and they start to, to run off. And the rest of them, they follow. And then, you know, you can kind of see... It's a trickle effect. You see that group is going, then the rest of the group goes, and then you see to the outer fringes, all of a sudden they look around and they see everybody going. So then they're going, and they follow, and they take off, and they run, and they run, and they run, and they run. And they were frightened, not sure of exactly why they're running. They're just running to say, hey, you know, we got to follow the leader, and off they go. And I look around, and I see that going on right now. Oh, we got to follow the leader. Let's go. No. The leadership is being misplaced. Instead of having faith and trust in God and praying and seeking truth, knowledge, and with the collection of knowledge, that becomes a thing called wisdom. So wisdom doesn't just happen, okay? It's a collection you learn and you put things together and then you, when you get involved in a, a, a similar situation back in the beginning when you're first learning, you already have the answer and you know it and you can share it. That's, that's wisdom. And God 
has blessed me greatly. I'd, I'd ask for no other gift. And that doesn't mean that I'm Solomon or the wisest man in the world, but God has enlightened me to things and he allows me things because that's what I asked him for. I didn't ask him to be rich and famous and all this stuff. Like people foolishly get like God's got a magic wand and he's going to magically make you rich, magically make you famous and all this stuff. Bing! It's like the little uh, fairy godmother in Cinderella when she baps you on the top of the head or when he just reaches down and baps you, you have all these little this little puff of stars explode all around you and now you're rich and famous. It doesn't happen that way. He may allow you to walk into certain things, wealth and fame and, and that direction because it's a good thing and that you, you're using it for the right thing. But just to ask for it, you know, lay down and, you know, it says, give, oh, well, the Bible says he'll give me the desires of my heart. Ah, contextual study. Don't get in there and misinterpret and twist it. You know, you got those perverts already on the behind their dais up on the podium that are doing that in churches now. They twist and malign the word of God and turn it around and they make it something that is not truthful. Yes, the Bible says that, but it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and his truth and wisdom and understanding, and then he will give you the desires of your heart. That doesn't mean you throw yourself down in a prayer posture and kick your feet and hands and, Oh God, I want a Maserati. Oh God, I want a Maserati. Oh God, I want a Maserati. Lamborghini, whatever. Oh God, I want a million dollars. Oh God, let me win the Powerball. Uh, no, doesn't work that way. <clears throat> God has allowances that he shares with us, but it's for righteousness snake and not selfish purpose. Let me, let me ask some of you a question of this. If you won the Powerball, and I looked at this and I go by and I kind of grin at it because I used to, I used to think that way. Oh, God, you know, if this would happen, I could do... And, you know, you have to let stuff like that go. Let me ask. So the Powerball billboard says $630 million is what you win in, in the state's Powerball lottery gizmo deal. And people will spend money on those things, and I think they're five bucks a ticket now or something. And they do that on that game of chance... What would you do with that $630 million? How selfish would you become? How benevolent would you become? Would you become a really philanthropist, a goodly philanthropist that you would help others? You know, there are folks that will say, oh, I'd, I would do this. And then when they get it in their hand and they get that annuity check or however they get it, then they become one of the most selfish, disgusting, despicable people that you could ever think to be around. Oh my gosh, what it does. But you see, brothers and sisters, that's that thing called the lust of money is the root of all evil. And that is actually factual. And see, a lot of people misread that scripture as well. It doesn't say money. It says the lust for money, the desire and the drive. When you let that, that 
drive for having to have it and having to have more and having to have all the prizes and all the greatest stack of bills around you at the end of days, end of your days, then you have made money and the ways of mammon your idol and not worshiping God. And remember, all those bills and all that currency, what does it say on them? In God we trust. Trust is about faith. And you wouldn't have what you have without God being in your life. If you, and even, even if you haven't accepted Jesus Christ and you don't have faith in God, trust me, your life is still being monitored and God wants you to have that opportunity. That's why people like me and others that do our Father's business share the word of God, the gospel, the truth, the knowledge and wisdom that God bestows. I've shared this, brothers and sisters, and those that are listening who are not accepting I have what I need. God God tends to my needs. And as he said, look to the ravens of the field. Uh, not, not that I'm partial to them, but I really like ravens. But they don't have barns and storehouses and all those things, and yet they, they're fed and they fly. And they're cared for. God cares for everything he's created. And then, of course, the nature says, well, yeah, but what about this? And what about that? And what about this? And what about that? And what about it? The Bible says, be anxious for nothing. And you have to remember that everything else doesn't matter as long as you're following God. So, got off on a bit of a tangent there. Now you understand my verbosity when I get involved with the word of God. So yesterday was uh, yesterday evening around sunset. And and this is where my faith and what I see and I I see these things. And when God says it and Paul writes about it, and I believe it's in Romans. I forgot exactly the chapter and verse. I apologize for that. And I thought I had it marked down at one time. Um, but when we're when we're before God and he asks us well why didn't you believe what they were telling you well I didn't I didn't think it was true. I couldn't, I didn't, I didn't hear it. I haven't seen anything. And then God will say, da, 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 wait a minute. He's going to interrupt you just like the judges do when you watch those judge programs and they do actually in reality. <clears throat> going to interrupt you and then he's going to say, ah, ta, 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 ta. you were down there in the midst of the mountains, the rivers, the valleys, the streams, all of those things that were happening around in springtime, the birds singing, the snowfall, thunderstorms, rainstorms. You were by the ocean shore and you heard the roaring of the waves 
and yet you didn't understand and you didn't see, you didn't perceive, that's unfortunate. You didn't look at the sunset or the sunrise and you didn't understand or perceive and you saw no evidence. That's kind of sad. Well, not kind of sad. That's very sad, brothers and sisters and, and anyone else out there that's listening, is that you have to understand that to look... The sunset last night was one of the most fantastical that I, I'd seen in a very long time. God has permitted me to be in some wonderful places. I, I lived in Japan for almost two years. <clears throat> And I truly understand why they call it the land of the rising sun. Oh my goodness. I saw some of the most beautiful. See over there, it was, it was somewhat different. Very different language food. I loved it. Um, here our sunsets are just some of the most magnificent. Over there, the sunrises. Sunsets over there are pretty okay. But the sunrises are like our sunsets. They're just, oh my gosh, it's just, uh, it's hard to describe without you seeing it, but they are just gorgeous. So last night, toward the end of the day, and I had an opportunity, I didn't have anybody on, so I, I had an area where I was able to slow down and look and, and enjoy. <laughs> and a couple times where my direction of travel actually took me into the sunset and then turned it away. But the difference in the textures and the tones of the colors, the variables from bottom to top and stretching out, and the textures of all the different types of clouds. So there was, it, was, it was like God was, was doing a masterful finger painting thing and, and watching a lot of this change right before my eyes. And he gave this one to me. And gave it to me, gave it to a lot of people who ever saw it, but for, for me, I saw it differently. And then I hadn't seen one this way, but the colors, a lot of times when you see a sunset and you're watching and facing toward the sunset, do you ever turn and look the other direction, the exact opposite direction? Sometimes the colors will reach out and sometimes they just seem to stop at the clouds and then you just watch the sun go down. But last night I, was, I had this special opportunity and the colors went from the setting sun and stretched all the way across the sky to the opposite direction. I mean, as far as the clouds reach out. And they were going for a long ways. And the colors were all the way out. I was like, wow, what a sunset. A lot of times you have geographical <clears throat> obstacles in the way or man-made objects that don't allow that color reach or the sun reach. And, but last night, God presented me with such an awesome, awesome sunset. Thank you, Father. Abba Yahweh Atu Shantrikityatro. So, that's me and mine. So, I'm sharing that to go into, to segue off into this thing here. And, and the Holy Spirit brought me to this because this is one of my notes that I had in the Bible. And this is how the Holy Spirit works. And, 
And this just wasn't a happenstance thing. I was looking for something specific. The Spirit led me here and put my hands right on this thing. That we see all these troubling things around us and all these things are going on. But um, Paul wrote to the church in Ephesus. And, you know, writing to them, all the churches, the the letters that he wrote to the church in Philippi and to the Colossians and uh, and Thessalonica and to his uh, protégés, Timothy and Titus and, and all this. He was trying to uplift them and keep them encouraged and all this because, brothers and sisters, there is no difference in, the, in these uh, foolhardy individuals that will testify that the Bible needs to be rewritten to be more relevant. Brothers and sisters, there could be no more relevant instrument of instruction than the Holy Bible, and it's as relevant today as it was then because all the things, it's just a different era. We think that, oh, we're so different. No, we're not. Look back there in the time. Believers were hunted down and killed like they are being today. In some countries in the Middle East, if you are seen carrying a Bible, you are shot on sight. They ask no questions. They don't ask you if you're a Christian. If you're carrying a Bible and they see a cross dangled around your neck, you're shot. Sometimes they will imprison you and torture you and beat you and try to force you to renounce your faith in God and belief in Jesus Christ. But brothers and sisters, most of the time they shoot you. You're educated executed on sight. You think that I make this up? I do not fabricate to lift up anything I say, and I do not lie about things like that. It's happening in the world today as it was back then. Saul, later becoming Paul, one of the greatest teachers and letter writers in the Bible, used to do that very thing. hunting, torturing, and burning out churches. That's what he did. That's what he was paid to do. That's what he was hired by both Rome and the Jewish zealots who were so arrogant and full of themselves. They hired him to do the same thing. Why is there such as hatred? And they try to say, well, Christians are this, and Christians see that, and Christians say that. Uh, excuse me, remember I told you about getting your knickers in a twist and getting all agitated? Most of the time it's because of your own fidgeting and you do it to yourselves. As it is with that hatred and that drive, they find excuses in order to hate, and they drive that hatred. And by no means should anyone get the idea that I'm specifically targeting any individual belief or faith because you're absolutely incorrect. And many people will say, oh, talking about the Middle East over there, you must be talking about the Muslims. Well, let me tell you this about that. Just like there are zealots within the Christian community that overextend what they declare as being faith, there are the same things in any denomination, in any, any, any. And remember that those names and titles are given of mammon and they're not aligned and given of Christ and not given by God. So you have... 
you have certain aspects of any that go to extremes. I had friends that I went to school with who who were Muslim and they prayed differently, but and they believed differently and they were it was different and it was a little peculiarity because as a young uh, American raised and but I was also open-minded to what they were talking. There was nothing at all about what people pander and push about these terrorists and how you have some of these elected officials that are within our own government that many foolish people believe the panderings and lies to and elected them in office, but they're looking to do nothing but destroy this way of life. And they're so full of hatred because of what they claim is their their faith and they've openly declared it. Those are overzealous individuals that are not following the true word because I'll tell you, the true Muslim, but very kind, loving, and that their, their faith and their belief is in line that that is how we must treat everyone and it isn't off with their heads like the the queen in Alice in Wonderland. Off with their heads. They don't bow down to me. They don't believe me. Off with their heads. Well, it isn't like that. People, this is another part of the agenda of the devil. Rather than having unity and drawing together, he drives derision, dissension, and separation. So we pray one for another not just for those who are in the body of Christ, but those who are not and have not accepted and believe and that we have to draw them to be able to have the opportunity. And this is part of sharing the gospel, not only of God, gospel meaning good news. Remember, it's a com uh, combination word. Good news. And actually, there is an adage here. Oh, man, that's gospel. Wow. And they're not in church. They're out there. It's good news. They hear good news and they say, wow, that's gospel. That means there's a stamp on it. It's good news. It's truth. Wow, that's, that's, brother, that's gospel. Yeah, you preach a gospel. And it became a saying because what the person was saying was nothing to do with the Bible, but they were talking profound solid truth, <coughs> oh, pardon me, and it was good news. But that's what the word gospel means, good news. So you have gospel of God the Father, gospel of Jesus Christ, which is what we're to be about the Father's business is sharing his truth, his knowledge, his wisdom, and his love. And as I've shared before, brothers and sisters, in Ephesians uh, 4, 23 is really important section of the book and he re and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness wherefore putting away lying speak every man truth with his neighbor for we are members one of another be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Some people will question that. Well, yeah, you can be angry. 
And because you claim to be a Christian, or if you are a true Christian, that doesn't mean that you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you get walked on. But if you become angry, and I become angry with a lot of this stuff that I see going on and and officials that perform these egregious activities, but you can't sin in your anger. Pray through the anger. You can be... Um, You can be angry, but you're not going to curse somebody. You're not going to swing on them. You're not going to get confrontational, give them a shove, anything like that. You, there's ways to let a person know that you're angry. You can be firm in your speech. You can be, but screaming and hollering at them doesn't do anything because when you elevate your voice, and I, I took me a, a pretty good while to learn this, especially because I was a, a Marine Corps instructor, so we had ways of getting things across and and quieting. <laughs> Anyway, I had to learn a different way, and it took me a while to get there, and sometimes uh, in situations, this is why these bullet prayers are important. You have to remember that when you elevate your voice in a case of argument, the other person gets louder to, uh, they increase their volume so that their point gets across, and then you're going to increase your volume because you're going to try to overstep that person to... Uh, get your point, and then the volumes go up on both ends, and pretty soon you're in a screaming match. That's sinful. That's confrontational. That's aggressive. You don't do that. You can be angry. You can be firm. You can let them know in no uncertain terms are you going to uh, go off what you're saying, or treat, especially if you're a parent or an educator or a person and then there is that point. Remember, Jesus Christ told the disciples, if you go to the city, you don't confront. You can be angry because they're being rude, nasty, and obnoxious to you, but walk away. Walk away. And he said, you, if they don't accepting to you, then you turn and you shake the dust and you stomp the dust from your feet from that place that you were at and go away. And then you offer prayers. Brothers and sisters, we are to pray one for another and simply because you don't like somebody, you don't agree with them or they're hateful. These individuals are in their elected positions. I, I despise their ideologies and the egregious behavior that they are performing on those people that they are supposed to be sworn to serve, protect and uphold. And yet they're doing exactly the opposite. It makes me angry. And I hate those ideologies. But brothers and sisters, I tell you this in truth, and it's a hard thing to do, so I pray for them because that's what the Bible tells us we're supposed to do. The kings and princes and those in authority, and they're only in authority because they were elected to there, not because they have any true authority, but an elected and given of mammon. But we have to... We have to have an honor for that and have to be, to a point, accepting. can be angry, but not confrontational and don't sin in the anger. I pray for them. It is possible that they would repent and they say, and oh my gosh, what a revelation of this would be, that they get up and they make a public declaration, say, I was wrong. I want to apologize to the American people. I want to apologize to anybody that I offended in any other nation by saying these 
statements that I made publicly in, in the news interviews, and now I'm making another one, and I'm declaring that I was wrong, and I apologize for it. And wow, it could happen, brothers and sisters. It could happen, and you could just, you have to have faith and pray for them. We are to do that. But it says, be angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So if you go to bed and you're still mad at somebody, you're going to get up and you're going to still be mad at that person. And then it continues. And then when you see them, you're going to just get more and more angry, more and more upset and agitated. And uh, and it continues to another cycle for another whole day. Don't let the sun go down and being angry at someone or about that and go to bed on it. The final thought when you lay your head down to rest should be you talk to God, you close out the end of the day and then you lay down and you end your day and, and go to sleep. Neither give place to the devil. When you go to bed angry and when you talk about these other people in a hateful manner and you talk about that, you've allowed an entry in and I, I, I have to fight against this thing because I was at one time really walking with the minions and we were in there and, and I wasn't bothered by things. Why? Because he already had me. And in um, my other circumstance that I've shared with you before, that's one reason why that happened, because I was not walking where I should have been and then following and listening to the chatter and the lying and, and went that direction instead of the direction I should have gone to. And many times we get into that, brothers and sisters, we run away from the very thing that we should be running to. And that happens, but you can't, Here's the other thing too, you can't dwell and wrap yourself. It's as if you're laying down in a whole bunch of tangled ropes and nets. You lay down in the midst and then you just roll back and forth and you're getting this stuff wrapped around your finger and then you just keep rolling and rolling and rolling. And before you know it, you're bound up in all of that. You're, you're wrapped up in these nets and these ropes and these things have you ensnared and entangled. Well, that's how it is with things in the past. That's a place that <clears throat> Satan really likes to drive us to and get us into is that place. Look back and realize the many times that God has been walking with you, guided you, took you through these things, <clears throat> and that we go that way because if you're bound in the past and you stay wrapped up and tied up in those things, how are you going to get up and walk the walk? How are you even going to talk to people? You're bound up in all those things. You're tied up. You're anchored down. And then you see the person who might have tripped you so that you fall in there. And then you're wallowing around. This person isn't doing that and covering you up with them. You're wallowing around and doing it yourself. But then you catch a glimpse of this person and then it starts all over again. You, you're angry. You're angrier. And then you start something else. What? Get rid of that stuff. Get rid of that stuff. 
We have to remember too, brothers and sisters, Ephesians 2, 8. We have to remember this stuff. And here's the thing. People confuse grace and mercy. Incredibly, pardon me. Grace is the fact that God bestowed and mercy is that he allows us to keep and use. There's a difference. Grace is the giving and mercy is the fact that we don't get it taken away or that we are getting what we actually deserve because brothers and sisters, by the grace of God, there are things that we do not... Do you think by any way or shape or form or thought arrogance that you deserve that Jesus Christ came off the throne of heaven and came down here and was crucified, that you deserve that? You earned that right? Well, let me share this with you. The fact and the truth is that you don't have a right to that. You have the opportunity and the offer to it, but simply because you are in this realm you don't demand that in your arrogance and you go up. That's not humbly approaching God in any way, shape, or form. You don't go up and you start demanding your salvation because, hey, you created me. You give me that. Uh, doesn't work that way. <clears throat> you have to recognize that at first, and, and here's the thing too, brothers and sisters, that God, Christ, even knows what a crappy individual I've been or I am, have been, or that you are or had been, still loves you. He knows you to the depth of your heart and in places that are so dark and dismal that you don't share with anybody, but God already knows them. Loves you anyway. Jesus came anyway. Stepped off the throne in heaven, set down his crown and came and said, we did this. Yeah, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go because we love them so very much. And offered himself as a sacrifice. Didn't deserve it by any means, way, shape, or form. And here's the thing. While I was at enmity and going through and doing all the things I did, still came. Still did it for me. Still came and found me. The good shepherd left the 99 and came to find me. Thank you, Father, Abba, Yahweh, Yahshua. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Brothers and sisters, that's what we need to do every single day. The fact that he did that. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Did I just say that? I think I just said that. God and I are on the same page in this, that he gifted that to you by grace. But here's the thing. Each and every single morning that I get up, God graces me with a breath and one of the, I thank him for the new day, the opportunity that I get to come and do what I'm doing right now, be about his business and share the gospel of the Lord, Jesus Christ that I have that opportunity. And mercifully, he allows me to continue drawing my breath, continue through the day, and takes me through this adventure. I will, I do, let's go. And we go through through the day, and he's teaching me through the day, 
sometimes I trip and I fall and I stumble. But I talk to them and get through that and don't get wound up in that because, brothers and sisters, it's happening. We live in a dismal, dark place. The only saving thing is that I have this opportunity to share the word of God, the truth, the opportunity for anyone to say, I will follow Christ. I will believe that he is the only begotten son of God. I do want to have faith in in you, God. I do want to have faith in you and the Holy Spirit for you to guide my steps. I will, I do, let's go. Yeah, I kind of threw that together and, and I kind of like it. I will follow Christ. I do have faith. Let's go, Holy Spirit, guide my steps. And um, while I'm thinking about that, I believe it's in Proverbs 3, 6, I believe it is. Let's go over here. Ah, here we go. Proverbs 3, 6. In all thy ways, acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. That means it strengthens you. It strengthens you. Don't put yourself above everything. Oh, that was my idea. Wasn't that a great idea? I did that. That was my idea. Yeah, what a great idea. You wouldn't have that idea if God didn't grace you with breath and mercifully allow you to keep drawing it. You wouldn't have that idea. It wasn't a lucky thought. It wasn't a lucky strike. It wasn't a lucky this and that. There is, there's not a such thing as that, brothers and sisters. Your steps are guided one way or the other. You're either guided by the darkness, <laughs> which is kind of a, that's almost an oxymoron, guided by the darkness because your thoughts are always toward that way or leaning in that direction. So you don't see clearly things that you do are not a clear ponderance. But as I was reading over here, in Ephesians 2 and 8, uh, the gift of God, the grace that we're saved through faith, not on ourselves, and not of works, lest any man should boast. Oh, yeah, look what I did that, so God saved me. God saved me because I was doing this or doing that or said this or did that. No, it's not about that. Just like this that I'm doing right now, this is not about me. This is not about Raven Whitehawk and what a good guy he is. And the things I share with you is not anything about me. It's about what God did with me. What God was doing through me. Or how God saved me from driving off the edge of this stupid bridge up there in the Oakland Bay Bridge and driving my 80, almost at maximum legal weight allowance, 80,000 some odd pounds, and I was going to drive that right over that little tiny bump curb in the middle of the bridge and go through this little small rail. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you, knowing how to do that, I did. And plummet down 300 plus feet into that, I would have surely died. And then God, the Holy Spirit, said, what about your grandchildren? That's the sound of the air being let out of my arrogant balloon. My grandchildren, my children were not even out of elementary school. I wasn't able to see them because of all these things that I stirred up and agitated. Doing my own thing, 
I did this, but then of course was angry and upset because I couldn't see him. And then of course I wanted to displace my stupid futility onto mom. <laughs> and then God said, what about your grandchildren? I was like, whoa. Didn't literally slam on the brakes, but I just, I wasn't thinking about driving off the edge of the bridge anymore. Still didn't completely give over to God as I should have done. I mean, I, I prayed through the course of the day, but I wasn't acting the way I should have been. But put that thought in my head because my sons were not even out of elementary school. They didn't know anything about that yet, I don't think. I don't know. But brothers and sisters, to have the Holy Spirit put a hold on you that way, what about your grandchildren? And boom, that was uh, so important to me because I believe, I can't remember directly now, but in my whining and my crying and my griping, I was thinking that I would never see any grandchildren or anything like that. And then he said, what about them? Threw that thing right back in my face. <laughs> Thank you, Father. Threw it right back at me. What about your grandchildren? You're going to drive off those birds and then you're never going to see them again. You will never see them. You'll not even see your children. What are you thinking? You're not thinking. You're thinking in darkness and the devil is trying to take you that way because he wants you to be separated. He wants you to be apart. He wants you to perish. You think for any moment that the devil cares anything about your comfort or anything about what... It's a facade, brothers and sisters. It's all a facade. Doesn't care anything except that you don't get to go to heaven and you don't get to see your loved ones. You don't get to live an eternal life of love, grace, and happiness. That's all it's about. And you say, what? How can that be? Look, man, he's, look, I do this and I do that and I'm rich, man. I don't need to believe any other way. Oh, wait a second. See, that's a thought process that they put in the seeds of weeds that have grown and taken root. And brothers and sisters, that's exactly what he drives. But brothers and sisters, we have a place. We have a place to go. And this is what part of being a lighthouse is about. The haven of rest. That huge lighthouse that can be seen from far out in the dark sea, in the darkness, in the storm. You, you look and all of a sudden you see this beacon of light and you say, oh wow, there's the haven of rest. We can get out of this. We can get, we've been working day and day and day and, and the storm and it keeps chasing. But they know which side of that light to be on to get into the haven of rest. And when they get in and they tie up their ship, the, the rocking and all the, tumultuous storms and it might still be raining but it's not tossing you about threatening to sink the ship now you're in the haven of rest you can find increased shelter to get out of that weather we need to be that beacon to drive to the heaven rest and it's a gift of god as is the good as is the good shepherd to his flock us he offers us a safe place a haven Haven of rest, just like in Psalm 23. 
The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He leadeth me beside still waters. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, to be comforted, to be safe, to be in a haven of rest. So what we have to do also, brothers and sisters, is have a thought of Jesus Christ and put our mindset and the focus on him rather than where I am or what's going on. All this stuff that goes around, all this tumultuous, all this darkness, I see it, but I can't let that drive my thought process. It saddens me deeply that I see people that are being driven by fear and letting that be their guide instead of seeing the truth. So as I shared with you before, that being fearful and driven by that, it causes you to react and do things that you wouldn't normally do. And late, late at night, these people want to be out where they're at doing this fearful thing rather than being at home where it's hard. And brothers and sisters, last night it got down to 27 degrees. It was cold out there working. Let me tell you, it was cold. But these folks being fearfully driven are going to do this rather than being at home warm and safe and taking care of it and coming back another day if they still want to be fretful about those things and, and pray about them and, and go that route anyway. But being out there in the midst of this cold and, and where they shouldn't ought to have been anyhow. We have to remember that what's going on around me, around us, that his majesty, his might, his sovereignty is all that matter. Everything else doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Brothers and sisters, all that stuff, it doesn't matter. It matters to me in, in the sadness of my heart for these folks. And I pray for this, the praying that the truth, the revelation come out in truth, which it will. But also too, brothers and sisters, when that takes place, you can't sit back. If you've been praying about this and say, yeah, I told you. I told you so. And get in somebody's face. That's confrontation. What do you got to get in somebody's face when they already feel bad enough about being caught up in that situation and you tried to guide them away for it. You were praying over them and then it worked out that, that they did get away and that you had been sharing with them and because of your direct information that you give them and then you come back and you look at them in their eye and then you give that wobble back and forth on your head and go, yeah, that's right. I told you so. I told you so. Didn't I tell you from the beginning? Do they need to hear that? No, they don't need to hear that. What they need to tell hear from you, brothers and sisters, is a big old hug. Give them a hug and say, man, I was praying for you. That's what I was sharing with you about. And I'm so happy that you understand that's what they need to hear from you. Encouragement, uplifting. They don't need to hear, I told you so. <sighs> okay, what about you? You've always been this righteous, indignant individual that you just floated around in your steps all over the world. What about the person that shared with you? Did they get in your face and say, yeah, I told you so. I told you so. You didn't listen, but I told you so. Perhaps somewhere in your walk that somebody might have done that. But we don't need to do that, brothers and sisters. We need to be upright in that. And what we tend to do is we have to stop comparing ourselves to other people. We compare ourselves to others 
and we compare ourselves to them and, and trying to make sure that we're acceptable to that way or that walk or that w- way of doing something. We're looking to that and that feeds our insecurities. And then our insecurities come into play and then the seeds of the weeds are spread and planted and then the minions come in there and then you have that thought process, am I good enough? Brothers and sisters, yes, you are. Here's the thing that you need to understand. Remember this for everything. God does not expect perfection from any of us because until he who is perfect has come, there is no perfect thing in this dark dank place it is dark you look around and the sun's out now it's bright and shiny and cold but brothers and sisters it's dark out there it's dark because of the hatred and derision and all this stuff and then again you have those that claim to be Christians that want to wear these rose tinted glasses and say well I don't want to hear about that I just don't want I want to hear the good stuff well brothers and sisters (laughs) then you're you're living foolishly and you're not reading the word of God because Jesus Christ himself talked about the darkness and all these things. He prophesied from the word of God himself that these things would take place. And you want to deny that and wear your rose-tinted glasses and think that everything is beautiful in its own way? Take off the Beatles album, take the needle out of that track and quit because it's stuck and it keeps playing that over and over again. Sorry, brothers and sisters, but that's not truth and reality. The truth and reality of all this darkness and all this is that there is a light. There is a thing. And I've I've gone to the end of the Bible. I, I was reading this statement that Billy Graham made. He says, everything's going to be okay. He says, I read the last verse of the Bible. I read the end of the Bible. I read that last chapter. It's all going to be okay. And that's the light that we have, the light at the end of what we're doing. But through this all, we are on a work visa that God wants us to be about his business. That's what this is about, being about our Father's business, sharing the truth, the knowledge, the wisdom of God the Father, that everyone would have an opportunity. And that's the light that we need to shed out there in the darkness. Shed that light. Be about our Father's business. Be about all things. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. Have a great day. You are in my prayers on my going out, my coming in. And brothers and sisters and those that are looking to be adopted into the family and the kingdom of heaven, all you have to do is say, I will, I do, let's go. I will believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. I do want to have faith. Guide my steps. Holy Spirit, teach me the ways. In Jesus' name, amen. That's all it takes, brothers and sisters. It doesn't take a big parade going down the center aisle of a church and a great big huge hoopla. It doesn't take that. You can do it by yourself at home or if you have a trusted neighbor or a family friend or a family member, you can ask them to pray with you. And you don't have to do all this jumping around stuff. You can do it quietly. And if you're at work, you can find a a quiet place. Go in the janitor's closet. Trust me in this, brother and sister. It's true. 
You can go in the janitor's closet. God does not care about that. He only cares about your heart. If in your heart you've been struggling with this thing here and you make a decision that you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, accept the fact that he died on the cross for you and say, God, I will, I do, let's go. You can do it in a janitor's closet. As long as it's a quiet place away from everybody and you think that you won't be disturbed there for a little while, go in there. It's a quiet place. You don't even have to turn on the light if you can get in there without falling over a whole bunch of stuff. Leave the light off if it makes you more comfortable so that people don't see that you're in there and get curious and disturbed. And say, just, and you'll, <laughs> with your eyes closed and the brightness of the light that ensues because of that coming to you. Abba Yahweh. That you ask him, that's all you have to do. That's all you have to do. And that's what I'm talking about, brothers and sisters, that you just take the opportunity. And that's what this is about, that everyone will have the opportunity. This is being about my father's business. It's not about just talking to those of you out there that are already believers and sharing with you, which is what I, part of the intent, but the intent is to share truth, knowledge, wisdom, and guidance in anyone that has an opportunity. Those, the other words are, are examples and lessons that, that you can draw from and see and hear. And then you go back to the scripture and you start looking this stuff up yourself. Study to show thyself approved. For it is a good thing that God loves that in his children. That you seek the truth, you seek the answer, you seek his knowledge, you seek his wisdom, you seek his face, and you want to be in and around God all the time. That's what it's about, brothers and sisters. Have a blessed day. Be encouraged. You are in my prayers, my going out, my coming in. Stay warm if you're in one of those locations. Right now, it's, I think the temperature's a whopping, bright, sunny, 28 degrees. <laughs> you have a blessed day.